politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen yearning for sanity and the defense of liberty. This is Daniel Horowitz from CR Podcast at Blaze Media. And it is Wednesday, April the 7th, and I'm a little bit off kilter today. I literally have a throw-up bucket right next to me. No kidding. I'm not sure it's if it's because my two youngest boys just got over a stomach flu and I caught it from them, or if it's because I've been so engrossed in hormone therapy, what is it, puberty blockers and castration, uh, dealing with uh, my latest column <laughs> That I'm not sure which thing made me more nauseous, the virus itself or the political work I've been working on. But folks, in the era we live in, there are heroes and there are zeros. And we're going to talk about zeros and heroes at the same time today. And the important thing to realize is that we have a country that's irreconcilably divided, We have people that think it is not normal for a human being to breathe without a diaper. It is not normal not to chemically and physically castrate our youth. It is not normal to have a border. It is not normal to lock up violent criminals. You can't bridge the divide in this country. One side is represented They're represented in every aspect of politics, media, corporate, culture, government, academia. And then then there's us, where we have no representation, but you have a few heroes here and there. When you look at the Republican Party, there's two types of Republicans. One is Ron DeSantis. We're going to play a clip from him. And then another one is... Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. We're going to play a clip from him. Unfortunately, 90% of them are like the latter, not the former. And therein lies the problem. If I had to make a commercial for what I'm trying to do for a living, this new Movement Constitution Action Network, making red states red again, making state legislatures great again, It would be to play Asa Hutchinson's clip last night, the Arkansas governor, with Tucker Carlson. That's the embodiment of what we are up against. These are people that when we are attacked with the most radical stuff from the left, they not only do not fight them, but they actually accept the premise of it. Well, I don't know, I could... I could cut off this much, but not the hormone therapy. I think that's really important. Like, what? Huh? And then they'll couch it in conservative language. So we're going to play that in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor today. Because Republicans have failed to hold the line on crime like they did just a generation ago, we're living in times where you have nobody to count on but yourself to defend your life. Now, everyone's going out and buying guns and ammo, but people forget you need a good holster if you want to protect yourself. Our friends at We The People Holsters have you covered for just 40 bucks for the best quality American-made holsters. They're custom-made to whatever firearm you own. Propriety clip designs allow you for easy, easy adjustment for both the cant and the ride of your holster. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash cr. And while you're there, check out their premium premium printed hoodies, long sleeve shirts, and their new EDC tactical gun belts. Those of you who are going to join me at constitutioncoach.com in Front Sight, Nevada for a defense training are going to need a good belt because a proper draw starts with a belt that's secure, it's fitted properly, it rides at the right position. But every holster and gun belt come with a lifetime guarantee. You could send it back for free if it doesn't fit. Again, wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Put an offer code CR for an extra $10 off. That is wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Offer code CR for the best American-made piece of freedom holster you will find in this country. Now, folks, we're going to play our first clip here. Ron DeSantis, um, 
Obviously, those of you who follow this understand by now that 60 Minutes fabricated this scandal with Publix that that Ron DeSantis had this amazing idea to vaccinate seniors in Publix, like the most ubiquitous place where seniors go in all of Florida. And they fabricated audio, they edited audio, and this is what they do all the time. I want you to listen to Ron DeSantis at a press conference yesterday fighting back against this. And listen very carefully to every word. They cut out everything that showed that their narrative was a piece of horse manure. Um, And it shows you how dishonest. These are smear merchants. That's why nobody trusts corporate media. Uh, They are a disaster in what they're doing. They knew what they were doing was a lie. I knew what they were doing was a lie. Everybody here knows what they were doing is a lie. They know that we know they're lying, and yet they continue to lie. And they lied, and they lied, and they lied. We offered them the information, and they declined to interview the key people uh, because they didn't want to let go of the narrative. Well, guess what? There's going to be consequences for that. Uh, We're not, I know corporate media thinks that they can just run over people. Uh, You ain't running over this governor. I'm punching back, and I'm going to continue to do it. Until these smear merchants are held accountable. The fact of the matter is, Florida has vaccinated three and a half million senior citizens. We were the first state in the country to put seniors first. The results of our efforts are that seniors are much less likely to be hospitalized for COVID than they were six months ago. So our efforts have worked, and particularly in Palm Beach County, uh, we've done over 275,000 seniors just in that one county. That's 75% of all the seniors there. It's been a, a team effort. We've worked in a lot of different ways, um, but you can't lie. Uh, and you should have not run it. Uh, they were warned, uh, and yet they plowed ahead anyways. And so we're going to be doing even more to expose uh, more lies because there's lies built upon lies on all this. You know, for example, they're attacking publics. You know it's New York corporate media. When you come to Florida and attack Publix, I mean, like, people like, I mean, like, maybe they're, they like their dogs better than Publix, but not much. I mean, it's one of the most popular brands in the state. It would have been malpractice to cut Publix out of assisting. And I know we were able to expand retail sites in Bay. People were very happy. Um, but what they're saying is, is a total crock that somehow only Publix was getting it. It is nonsense. And we told them it was that. And they cut it out, they spliced it, because they can't handle the truth. And they know if they would have put out everything, uh, they wouldn't have had a story. And so they went for the smear. Uh, They've been caught red-handed. Now, see, all these corporate media people, they all scratch each other's back. So, you know, a lot of them just are pretending it didn't happen. They're not going to really police their own. Uh, But we're going to have a lot of people that are going to police their own. But the message is for people out there... Unless you're a partisan leftist, uh, do not trust corporate media. You can't trust them. They're not trustworthy. They will lie. They will smear. um, And then they just move on to the next target and think that they're going to be able to get away with it. You ain't getting away with it here, okay? You come down to our state and you try to smear people, um, you know, we're going to bite back and we're going to hold you accountable. So this is not over by any stretch of the imagination. Now, folks. Doesn't that sound like a guy who gets it? He gets what you and I are confronted with. It's not just the issue of, you know, the media going after him personally, but he gets that it's the same media that's lying about COVID fascism. They're lying about illegal immigration. They lie about crime. They lie about BLM. They lie about everything. He gets it. Now, let's transition to... Asa Hutchinson. So now we've been talking about him last couple of days. We've we actually have some good background on him because we talked about another veto that he issued. But basically, Arkansas yesterday. The good news is they became the first state to ban chemical and physical castration for minors, not for adults, by the way, but for minors. Now. This shouldn't even be newsworthy. We should have every red state doing this, but evidently it's very difficult. 
and he vetoed it. This was HB 1570. This guy actually vetoed it, but thankfully, the House overrode his veto by a mile, 71-24. Senate overrode it by 25-8. to 8. By the way, you only need a simple majority in Arkansas to override, so here they did it by a mile. Why don't we have this in every state where Republicans control? Well, the reason we don't have it is because Republicans as governors, with the exception of two or three of them, and even in most state legislatures, and leadership, speakers, Senate pro temps, this is what they think. Take a listen to Asa Hutchinson on Tucker Carlson. Well, first of all, uh, your teaser as you led into this program did not accurately represent the bill. If this had been a bill that simply prohibited chemical castration, I would have signed the bill. But Tucker, as you know, this bill was overbroad, it was extreme, it went far beyond what you just said. And I made it clear that this, if this was about prohibiting uh, procedures, uh, sex reassignment surgery, absolutely, I would have signed that bill. But this, again, is the first law in the nation that uh, invokes uh, the state between uh, medical decisions, parents who consent to that, and uh, the decision of the patient. And so this goes way too far. And in fact, it doesn't even have a grandfather clause that those uh, young people that okay. are under hormonal oh, treatments If I can just correct it. you for a second. Well, this is chemical castration, of course, if you stop puberty and suppress the sex hormones, you're chemically castrating someone. So our, our, our description was correct. But let me just ask you, I mean, there are all kinds of, we're talking about minors, children here, and there are all kinds of things in Arkansas, kids in every state are not allowed to do. Get married, drink a beer, get a tattoo. Why do you think it's important for conservatives to make certain that children can block their puberty, be chemically castrated? Why is that a conservative value, if you would tell us? Well, first of all, you have parents involved in very difficult decisions. You have physicians that are involved in these decisions. And uh, I go back to William Buckley. I go back to Ronald Reagan, the principles of our party, uh, which believes in a limited role of government. Are we as a party abandoning a limited role of government and saying we're going to invoke the government decision making over and above physicians, over and above health care, over and above parents? and saying, so uh, you can't so do you that, believe it's uh, you cannot engage how, how in much, that. Uh, how deeply have you studied this, this? Now guys, I want you to go online and listen to the full uh, segment on the show. It's about 10 minutes. Tucker did a great job. But it's not just about the chemical castration. This embodies everything we are confronted with, with the left, and every way that Republicans throw the fight. You find the most radical things that Democrats themselves didn't think of until 10 minutes ago. And yet Republicans in red states in the South can't hold the line on that. They indulge the premise of it. They start t using their terminology. Notice how even when he said that he would oppose the castration, he didn't call it that. He called it surgery, reassignment, surgery or something. He used their term. And then he invokes Reagan and Buckley as if they would agree to this. Like, this is overbroad. This bill is extreme. I'm conservative, but this is extreme. We are the extreme ones. The default is their position. We're the ones who want to go castrationless, maskless, as if we're out of the ordinary. This is how quickly they move the Overton window over. You know, I always wondered how me in my 30s how to me, I jump out of that water like the frog who didn't get used to the boiling water. And I'm like, how the hell could we put up with this? I remember a time in the 90s. I remember the party of Buckley. That it wasn't perfect, but they stood up to crime. They stood up to illegal immigration. They wouldn't even know what to do with chemical castration for adults. They would have banned it for adults. And this guy is going to have you believe that Reagan would somehow go for this? And by the way, what happened to limited government? The same man who is regulating healthcare decisions of minors, forcing schools up until recently to make kids wear a medical device, an experimental medical device under the FDA's emergency use authorization, the, the Chinese burkas. 
He vetoed a bill just a couple weeks ago zeroing out the COVID fines he levied, mandating healthcare restrictions on businesses and restaurants. There was no aura of libertarianism, limited government then. But it's always in the wrong time in the wrong place they'll bring it out. Yes, government regulates every stinking thing that healthcare providers do. But castration could be done. If I would go to a doctor or a doctor would um, perform a surgery to cut off my arms. A kid says, I'm a mermaid. I want to be like a mermaid. Cut off my arms. You couldn't do that. Well, cutting off someone's balls and injecting them with hormones is exponentially more systemically harmful to the body than cutting off an arm. It should be banned even for an adult. But we are at a point in this country when we can't get prescribed off-label ivermectin and hydroxy that have been used 4 billion times since the 70s safely to treat COVID. Yet we are told that even minors could get access to castration. Mind your own business. Let's not start a precedent of getting government involved in healthcare. Oh, no, 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 we wouldn't want that. It's funny watching people react on my side to this as if they just discovered America. Hey, buddy, every Republican, unless you know otherwise that they speak like Ron DeSantis, they are like that. Get activated in the primaries. Get activated in the state legislatures. This is what I'm all about. We have heroes and zeros, but we have all too many zeros. And by the way, speaking of Ron DeSantis willing to fight back against corporate media and big tech, as you well know, they're coming after you. And the single biggest way you could fight back is by making your IP address anonymous to big tech through ExpressVPN, longtime sponsor of this show. Basically, the way they censor you is by tracking and spying on you. All your internet activity is recorded by Google, YouTube. Everything you search for a click is tracked. They match your activity to your device, and then they sell it. That's how they earn their money. When I switched to ExpressVPN, and I can't believe I didn't do that until recently, I made my computer, my iPhone, masked by a secure VPN server. This mask actually works to protect from the virus of big tech injecting their crap into your device. They also encrypt my network to protect my sensitive information from being compromised. So it's not just from big tech, it's hackers as well. You could use them on five devices simultaneously with one family plan subscription. Folks, stop handing over your data to big tech companies and the far left enablers in government. Defend your rights with a VPN I trust. Visit expressvpn.com slash conservative. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash conservative to get an extra three months free. Again, go to expressvpn.com slash conservative to learn more. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about heroes and zeros. We're going to have a special guest on, my friend Shannon Joy, one of the heroes. But some more heroes in society. Coach Brad Keys. This is a man who was a track and field coach in New Hampshire. And he was fired for not forcing kids outdoors while running to endanger themselves for a virus that doesn't affect them, for a medical device that doesn't help them to mask their faces. He said, he wrote recently when he was fired, these insane policies are robbing kids of once-in-lifetime opportunities for no valid reason other than irrational fears and going along with the sheep. I will not take any part in these policies which are taking a bad situation and making it needlessly and cruelly worse. Brad published all the emails um, related to the conversation leading up to his firing, and he republished them at granitegrok.com. It says granitegrok.com. Just Google it. It's an article by Steve McDonald, Coach Brad Keys. You can see more information there. But this man is a true, true hero. There are so few of those people left in America. 
And that's really the question. This is a very unsettling question. But the Ron DeSantis, Asa Hutchinson divide, does that really reflect the divide among Trump voters themselves, those that will vote Republican but don't really believe in these values or will fight for them versus people like Brad Keyes who will? But that is a hero. This is still going on, by the way, in almost every red county and every red state. Outdoor sports for children. Don't tell me they got rid of the mask mandates. No, they didn't. Now, this is in New Hampshire where the dirtbag governor still hasn't. But there, there needs to be a lawsuit. Still trying to work with people to get the best uh, plaintiff. The truth will come out one day. The truth will come out one day. And by the way, I just forgot to mention just one more thing on the transgender stuff. You know, you wonder why Arkansas is the first state. Where are the other states? I mean, three of them enacted um, uh, bills to bar females and uh, males and female sports. But again, that's not even the biggest deal. Like, that's unfair. It's absurd. You know, the big big man, you know, in a, in a woman's team or something. It's kind of insane. But castration of minors is cruel and immoral and sadistic. Yet that we only have one state out of the 19 supermajorities that did it. 23 trifectas. Well, in Texas, the dirtbag governor, Dade Phelan, not governor, um... Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan, rhino from anything. He's blocking the bill there to ban uh, mutilation and disfigurement. I mean, think about it from, from the girl's perspective. You know, people have to go through painful hysterectomies and things like that when they get cancer. You can imagine a doctor just performing that just because someone says they want it. So again, I mean, that's something to, to call if you're, you're in Texas. We are in the process of getting our Texas team set up. One more hero before we, you know, so that's a zero, Dade Phelan. A hero is um, Teresa Mullins, a Gateway Pundit, brought this to life yesterday in an article. She was a stewardess, um, kind of similar to the story in New Hampshire, she was a stewardess in, I, I believe it was Eagle. Um, for Eagle, and she quit her job. She refused to sit and be a mask Nazi. You know, it's funny how just in general, stewardesses used to be really nice. There was a whole aura about flying and everything. They just be, a lot of them became nasty, just nurse ratchets, um, even before this whole thing, and now it's just awful. I was disappointed and offended for the airline's mandate that began in July. I refused to tell anyone they must wear a mask. This is not what my company expects of me. So she went on voluntary leave. Um, the company wanted her back January 31st. And she contacted the union to help her. But of course, the union is of no help because they bought into it. And, uh, you know, because she wanted to say this was a breach in collective bargaining agreement. This is not what she signed up to, to do. But she's out of a job. So I'd love to get a hold of her. I don't know how to contact her, but Teresa Mullins, these are the unsung heroes that have sacrificed to not get involved in this Nazi-level Sadism. And by the way, today is, um, I believe it's the Holocaust Remembrance Day. And I stand by yesterday's show comparing COVID fascism with everyone going along with it. No one understood how in a country that was this enlightenment, you know, if I told you what was the greatest mass genocide of all time, where and when would it take place? You'd think it would be somewhere in some primitive country, I don't know, in the Dark Ages. But it was in Germany in the 20th century. How did that happen? 
Well, it happens when there are more zeros than heroes. Because when there's more zeros than heroes, that allows evil to persist. And too many people went along with it. It's not that they championed it necessarily, but they were too scared to fight it. So it doesn't take much for evil to take root. So we got the zeros and the heroes among politicians, elected Republicans, and among the people. Now, speaking of heroes in the private sector, among the private population, just like we have among politicians, except there are hopefully a lot more of them. Shannon Joy, one of my uh, best friends, is, well, let me just say she has a story you're going to want to hear. I teased this out yesterday. Uh, about cops coming to her door to enforce a mandatory quarantine for her 12-year-old daughter that never even came into contact with the person who asymptomatically had something that's not a problem for kids. But just like with the masking, the forced quarantine has run so afoul the Constitution on so many levels, but once we allowed that genie out of the bottle, it's become normal. And so few people are willing to fight it. The Fourth Amendment goes out the window. We could just say, hey, I think you're a threat. Cover your mouth and, and, and nose. Hey, I think you have a disease. You're under house arrest for 10, 14 days, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's no due process. There's no anything. This is happening in this country everywhere. Now, Shannon's case is a little unique because she also is public. She works for WHAM. She has her own a radio show in Rochester, so she's well known for criticizing COVID fascism. And that is not lost on the health officials there, some of the politicians there. So she gets a, vid- a visit by the police with guns to her door as if she is a criminal. What is she doing about it? What can you do about it if this happens to you? Shannon, thanks so much for joining us today to tell your story. Hey, Daniel, thank you so much for having me on the program. It is a crazy story. It, there- it is crazy. So let's start off with the basics. Now, I'm on the verge of throwing up <laughs> today because I have a stomach virus. Okay. So I guarantee you're you know, sicker than if you would have had uh, COVID 19. And that's my point. You know, I got it from my kids because kids don't really spread COVID. <laughs> um, I got it from them. They had two rounds of this. It's going around. And I was thinking, the stuff we're doing to kids, we just talked about mm-hmm. a track and uh, field coach being forced to mask kids outside, outdoors, um, for something that every every kid I know who tested positive got you know less sick than they do from a stomach virus yeah. and typical things they get all the time. But this is what we're doing now. Um, take it from the from the beginning. How this happened, this is a private Christian school that your daughter's in, um, and kind of to the here and now, where things stand, what you hope to do with this. Sure. So to set the stage, yes, I am an independent media company. So my show, I have a business. I contract with WHAM, which is an iHeart station here in Rochester, and I have a national presence via my website and also my social media. So I have been, like you and and many others, a, a lockdown critic really from day one. Here in New York State, I have refused uh, most masking mandates. So I have been to the grocery store, the department stores, the gas stations. I mean, I have gone barefaced since the very beginning. And I've been very critical, very critical of my local county health commissioner, Mike Mendoza, and also his boss, Adam Bello, who is our yellow belly, we'll call him, who is our county executive here in Monroe County. And so this has been an ongoing thing. I I haven't yet amazingly been caught up in the Gestapo-like contact tracing that has become a permanent feature in New York State because of the self fulfilling prophecy. They ramp up the testing. If you ramp up the testing with the flawed PCR test, you're going to get positives or false positives and or they're so sensitive they'll they'll pick up anything. And then you have an enormous amount of cases. And when you have positive cases, then the contact tracers kick in. And when the contact tracers kick in, then they're going out and they're uh, go you know casting the wet the net even wider 
which leads to more testing, which means to more leads to more cases, meaning they can create a spike. They can create a, a case demic anytime they want if they just put this into place. And right now we're we're thinking they're doing that because of this looming April 19th date. Some of the we've done an enormous amount of grassroots local organizing in upstate New York to get our schools open to fight the despite the fact that everyone wants them closed. And they have we've been we've been successful in that. And there is a hard date now for full-time, full-day school reopening in New York State. And they don't want that to happen. That's just, you know, kind of the background. And so they're creating now this new spike scenario in our county. So we get caught up in the contact tracing. My daughter plays um, varsity volleyball. She's 12 years old for Finney. And uh, a girl on her team was suspected or tested positive. And this led to a phone call from my nurse, the school nurse, informing me that my daughter uh, is believed to have been in contact with a girl who tested positive. And so she, by the power invested in the school nurse, is going to quarantine my daughter. And so I said to the nurse in that conversation, you have no authority to quarantine my daughter. That's the equivalent of imprisonment. There's no due process here. You have no authority to do that. And I'm not complying. And so when that happened, the nurse at this private Christian school who actually works for the public school, which is, you know, I think one of the, the difficulties there, then escalated my case and, and reported myself, uh, multiple team members, cell phone numbers, addresses to state contact tracers and also the, the county health department. That led to, it started on Wednesday of, of last week, dozens and dozens of phone calls from Albany and Schenectady, text messages. I'm still getting phone calls to this day. I refused to speak to them. So the contact tracers called me. And in the discussion with the contact tracer, I said, I'm citing my fourth amendment right to privacy and my fifth amendment right to not incriminate myself. So I'm not speaking to you. And so when I refused to speak to the contact tracers, that escalated it even further, culminating on a Friday afternoon conversation with who I call the nurse ratchet in chief in Monroe County. And her name is Jean Mac Fogg. And she reports directly to our county health commissioner, Mike Mendoza. She is his right hand woman. And I think when cases get escalated to a certain point, that's where they go. And so this woman then proceeds to call me. I take the phone call at that point because I've been harassed now for so many days. And about five minutes into the phone call, after she threatened to send the police to my house, if I didn't comply with the quarantine that she was going to impose, uh, I decided to record the phone call. And so in that recording, it was a total of 16 minutes of recorded audio that I captured 10 minutes of that audio I used that evening, Friday evening, on my radio show with an attorney, tearing apart every element of her justification for putting my daughter in quarantine, namely that my daughter was not at the practice the day that they said she was exposed. My daughter wasn't there. We also established in that conversation when, when I told her that and you know she acknowledged that she said, well, she she may have been exposed on days prior. And then I pressed back at her and said, well, no, an exposure is 15 minutes, no masks, close contact, not social distance. In addition to my daughter not being at that practice, every practice that she was at, she wore a mask and was social distance. So there's no justification, absolutely none whatsoever, for this nurse to then move forward and impose the quarantine order. Now, typically in Monroe County, the quarantine orders are sent out via email or mail. That's how everyone get everyone else in the county gets their quarantine orders. 13 hours after I ran that audio that horrifically embarrassed Mike Mendoza's department and also tore to shreds their justification to impose any quarantine on any citizen at any time because it's a violation of fourth, fifth, and 14th amendment rights to due process, which we established in that audio. 13 hours later, Mike Mendoza, Monroe County Department of Health, sent two contact tracers and two armed officers to my home at around 10 o'clock in the morning. I was not there. My daughter was home downstairs by herself. My husband was upstairs and two contact tracers came banging on our front door. We have a big wraparound porch, two doors. 
They had each of them go to each door, banging very aggressively, scared my daughter. She ran upstairs to my husband. There are two strangers banging on our doors. I don't know what's going on. The police are here. My husband freaks out, comes downstairs, you know, gets dressed quickly, stands on the front porch and, you know, begins to engage with the contact tracer, refuses to sign their order that they're delivering. It's a quarantine order for my daughter. And at one point, the, the police officers were so intimidating. By this time, it had drawn a crowd of my neighbors on my front lawn because this doesn't happen in my neighborhood. And we're, you know, essentially humiliated. They're wondering, you know, what is going on here? But it was very tense and very aggressive. Everyone was agitated. And my husband at one point said to the officers, why are you staring at me? Because they were barrel chested, arms crossed, legs apart, like staring at my husband, like staring him down, trying to intimidate him. And he said, why are you staring at me? Are you, are you trying to intimidate me? And by the way, why are you here? You know, what, why are you here? And so this was extraordinary. This is something that I have learned at this point from my contacts here in Monroe County has never happened. I don't, there's, I don't think there's a single example of the county sending armed officers to a home. So I, my belief is that they did that on purpose to intimidate us, to shut me up. But how did the police go along with that? Well, the interesting part to this story, Daniel, is uh, on Friday after this Jean Mac Fogg nurse ratchet character threatened me, I called my Monroe County Sheriff because we communicate. And and I said to him, are you going are, are you going to send cops to my house? If in, and he assured me that they did not. You know, uh, according to him, we are, do not send our officers out to enforce any kind of social distancing or masking. But in this case, what happened, it was Saturday, so it was a weekend, and the sheriff was off. He sent a, an email to Mendoza's office to tell him to stop, you know, allowing his contact tra tracers to threaten people with the sheriff. But uh, he, we didn't assume them to move so quickly. And that morning of, you know, on, on that particular Saturday, he wasn't working, and it was a lower level, I believe, um, deputy or or officer that that deployed the Monroe County Sheriff. And it was all done, obviously, very early in the morning, and it kind of slipped through the cracks. But typically, but you know what, Daniel, there is a line there, right? I mean, that is a little bit blurry. Are, is the sheriff is the sheriff required to protect the county's contact tracers? It, is that a legitimate role for police officers who take an, an oath to uphold the Constitution? Right. So and yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it, it's obviously, <clears throat> obviously not because I, I think I, I want to just before I come back to the specifics of your story, take the fundamentals for the audience here, because, again, we become so desensitized. The fact that we're doing this 12 months into this negates the entire potential constitutional rationale for this. The constitutional rationale was you have a very rare and deadly disease that's starting to percolate. Five cases, 10 cases, 15 cases in the country I'm talking mm. about. So kind of like Ebola in 2014, you're, you're counting it in single digits. So it's very deadly, but also it's very quarantinable because it doesn't transmit that easily. So you could kind of stuff it in the hole. So you could have the police powers of a state to quarantine. Hey, you know, you are directly with that guy. Okay, you 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 put that down, and the reason why tyranny doesn't result from that is because, by definition, it's very limited. Well, they only by quarantine sick people. Yeah, exactly. But and, and uh, but 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 again, we don't do it for a stomach flu. We don't do it for a flu. We don't do it for a cold. When you have something like this that was bound to now, you know, there's estimates 130 million people in America have gotten it. There's not a single American, unless they never left their home, that hasn't either gotten it or hasn't been exposed right. to it at this point. For kids, it's literally lower, as we said, than the threshold of a stomach virus or really anything, often they get nothing from it. So if they're able to do that with PCR testing, this will never Ever. end. It, it, that means that they could do this for any, they could say you have anything. You could have endovirus, you could have whatever. Um, you could have, uh, you know, some other respiratory thing that that that's seasonal and goes around. That's the funny thing. We're talking about kids that you need to test to even find out that they have it. Never is a problem. 
12 months into it, we're trying to quarantine something that 130 million people have gotten and everyone's been exposed to. So constitutionally, what I'm trying to say is any any um, case law that they could draw upon never roped in such a scenario, but this is still going on. And it's going to go on, and, and this will be in perpetuity. Even in New York State, Daniel, we have legislation that has been drafted that will impose draconian and endless restrictions and guidelines and requirements for any business that employs any person in New York State for the mitigation of all airborne viruses. Cleaning protocols, masking protocols, distancing protocols, capacity protocols, and nowhere in that four-page bill does it ever mention COVID-19. Ever. The flu is airborne. That's that's the point. It is it is perma emergency, perma lockdown, perma masking. Unless we fight this tooth and nail, and so I'm going to the mat on this. I'm I'm going to exhaust every single avenue, whether it's legal, political, in the court of public opinion. I'll go anywhere I need to go to bring light to this. Because essentially you have county health commissioners acting as the judge, the jury, and the executioner. They are imposing home confinement on individuals upon a suspicion of contact with no evidence, no warrant, no uh, signature from a judge, absolutely no due process. And they are imposing the, the penalty before even if there were due process, before that that could even even be addressed, right? Because the penalty is immediate. We think you were in contact. You were locked in your home. And people don't think about, you know, this happened to us, Daniel, on Easter. Uh, I'm a, a Bible-believing Christian, very faithful for, you know, 40 years. And, you know, this was a holiday that is very important to our family. We had um, dinner plans with both sides of our family, my husband's side, my side. Um, it, and essentially we had to cancel everything. And I'm thinking of people, I mean, these quarantines in, in New York, are they, they are endemic. People, baptisms, funerals, graduations, uh, you know, life events, athletic events, uh, anything, anything on, in, in a, a half a second can be snatched away from you. Yep. For any reason, without any proof whatsoever, or any oversight, or judicial review. And on top of that, if you speak out against it, with your First Amendment rights, you now have county health officials, bureaucrats, sending the police to intimidate you. So not only are they judge, jury, executioner, they're the sheriff as well. If they can command those police officers... And and draw them up whenever whenever they feel like they need to make a statement or send a message to get a girl on the radio to shut up and stop exposing them. And this is important. Now, the thing with the sheriff is that really bothers me because how do they get in touch with them? In other words, they they, they should be a separate entity. And you know, I don't know who controls them ultimately in, in some counties and states they're totally independent. Sometimes maybe it's the county government that controls them, but how does the health director who himself is not elected, how does he control them? And is that something that people need to deal with on a county level to try to sever that tie? Yes. What has been established essentially, you know, and this is actually a, a much larger problem. Slowly over time, our police departments, our, our officers have been used for some of these softer crimes. And, and sometimes it's necessary. Uh, you might have to um, you might have to evict someone from an apartment and it might get contentious and crazy and there might be, you know, and and the police will be called to kind of oversee that. Now I have a question about that. You know, if there is a bank and they want to evict someone from an apartment, why are you calling the police? Why don't you hire your own security service? You're rich to accompany you to evict someone, right? 
And the same with the health department. They have how $250 bazillion from the CARES Act money and all the stimulus. What? What? Why is the health department using taxpayer-funded police? Like, those police are there for us. They swear an oath to the Constitution. They're there to uphold the people's individual natural constitutional rights. And so why they are at the beck and call of banks and, and you know, to, to carry out routine evictions. Um, another area is the family court when they seize children. And this is particularly egregious because, as you know, Daniel, in family court situations, there's no oversight. These are secret courts. These are potentially criminal courts. There is There are gag orders. There is absolutely no due process. They can seize children. I mean, there's, there's, there is a paper trail and there is, you know, a, a limited amount of due process. But man, you get caught up in CPS and you get caught up in that family court system. You look the wrong way at the wrong CPS agent and you can be in, in a lot yep. of trouble. And so there's this, this very real question about the, the role of the police. And I'm for constitutional policing, but they are being asked to do more and more that is is crossing the line yep. of constitutionality. Well, well, because they're denuded from going after the bad guys, they can't right. do that anymore. So right. this is uh, what they do instead. But but Shannon, this is very important for you know the Liberty Strike Force teams. We're creating kind of replicating what what you've done, the grassroots you put together yeah. in Monroe County um, to establish those ties with the sheriff's department. Where do things head henceforth? You think in your area? Were you able to establish that rapport with the sheriff and say, hey, wait a minute, I thought you swore an oath to uphold the Constitution. Yes. How at a time when, it, particularly where you live, there's a lot of lawlessness, mm-hmm. there's a lot of BLM rioting going on, um, there's a lot of murders and crazy stories mm-hmm. I've seen in Monroe County um, with you know jailbreaked uh, juveniles committing murder, Arson. that heinous case oh, of the, yeah, the burning that homeless guy alive. And this is what you're having your deputies being used as? I mean, like, has that memo gone out to the sheriff? Yeah, you know, and this is one of the benefits of establishing. It's one of the reasons I tell people, you know, you got to get up in the business of everyone in your community. You got to start, you got to know everyone, talk to everyone, make those communications, gather your people, form your groups. Because, you know, because of that, I do have, I have a relationship. You know, he doesn't answer to me and I don't answer to him. But uh, we do have a cordial relationship, and I was able to talk to him about this. And I think the key here, uh, yes, it was received, Daniel, and and yes, I am working with groups here in Rochester to push this conversation. And I think up until this point, you have the sheriff's department and you have all of the screaming banshees from the left, and they are squeaky wheels, and they are constantly yes. on attack, hammering, 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 and bludgeoning, and there's nothing from the right, right? There's no, there, there, up until this past year, there really hasn't even been a lot of support, uh, but there is this vacuum of power. So what you have to do is you have to be in contact with these sheriffs. One of the cool things I love, Sheriff Mack, who is a constitutional sheriff who tours all over the country um, on the on that that very important constitutional role is coming into Rochester, I believe, and uh, he's going to be speaking and training on constitutional uh, police work. Which is, you know, these are the conversations that have to have, and it's it's situations like this that give us the opportunity to press that issue. Because believe me, Daniel, constitutional police work. This is really where the Constitution rubber tires meet that road because the policing the sheriffs that is the enforcement arm of the government and they're the last line of defense if a government goes tyrannical which they've gone by a mile you know last two days the holocaust remembrance we've been talking about how you know you had mid-20th century in the enlightened western world the largest genocide ever Mm -hmm. committed Because people went along with it and didn't stand up to it at the early stages when you when, could. when you could do that. Yeah. And, and, you know, yesterday we spoke about the fact that public health was 
that lead messaging point of the Nazi regime in the mm-hmm. 1930s. Bad blood. You are a threat to me. Your existence yeah. is a threat to me. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. I mean, they're doing crazier stuff than they were doing in 1933 uh-huh. already. And if we want to make sure it doesn't get worse, you need to establish those ties and make it clear. I think I need to get Sheriff Mack on the show. Yes, yes. And because that's the thing, you have these pushes you know, to abolish the police and then we on the right get really irritated when the police show up at our door, right? Because we're like, what the heck? is this all about you're so you're gonna support blm i'm the girl who's been at the blue line ride and rallies have been supporting you the whole time and you're gonna go with with these organizations that are attacking you and so but the answer cannot be like we have to make sure that we fight like hell for our local police because the play is always to get rid of the local police and replace it with a regional force or a state force that is further away from the people But we've got to protect those local police, but it has to be within the boundaries of the Constitution. This is what I've said very often. My support of the police is conditional. It is not blind. It's not forever. What they did at my my home on uh, last Saturday was the wrong thing to do, right? But I will be behind you as as, as long as you're carrying out that constitutional policing. And you are not doing anything that is going to infringe on the natural constitutional rights of individuals. They need to think about that more. They need to care about that more from leadership down to the fellas, you know, on on the front lines. And I love my police. You know, I'm the girl that will, I love them. I'm always thanking them and praying for them and I'll, you know, I'll buy them coffee and everything. But um, they can't allow them. We need more heroes. We need more heroes and not zeros. I mean, we need more of them that are willing to say like that stewardess said, I'm not willing to do this. This is not what my job is for. It's antithetical to what my Mm -hmm. job is for. We all need to do that when our jobs intersect with basic human dignity, basic natural rights, whether you're, you know, a private citizen in any way, you're, you're a banker and someone comes in, um, you know, to, to get a service to the best you can. Don't enforce that garbage on them. Certainly if you're the police, that's the ultimate so, Shannon, these are really great words of wisdom, as always. Yeah. I want you to come back and keep us updated. Good luck in your legal fight. We're going to be in touch on this. Um, God bless you. Thanks for standing for us. Thank- thanks for being a hero. And whether you like it or not, you will be our advisor for our Con Action uh-huh. uh, Liberty Strike Force teams. <laughs> I would donate so we're my counting time. On you. Anything for you, Daniel. You know that I would do. You need me. I'm always there. So, yes, absolutely. And thank you for everything that you're doing. Um in mobilizing across the country, empowering people to do what they can do in their corner of the world uh, that is consistent with their unique talents and abilities, right? We're not asked to save the world. We we don't have to do it all, just... But we got to get on the field. We got to get on the field. You got to be heard from. That's the point. They hear from the bad guys. We got to be heard from. You know, I'll just end with this. In North Dakota, they're having that big vote on the mask bill, getting rid of every local mandate. Um. I don't know if it's going to work. It passed the House. It's a big fight in the Senate. They have a four-to-one majority, but half the Republicans are rhinos. But I do know we have a terrific ConAction Network team. Our first we set up under Amber uh, did a great job. They whipped them. They met with them. They flooded them with calls like they've never gotten in a legislature that low-key. So now it's in God's hands. You know, I don't know if we're going to win, but that's what we have to do. So, again, thanks for your guidance and and advice. Folks, I am out of time. I got to run. Sorry for cutting it short today. Really feeling under the weather, but hopefully tomorrow we'll be back in full force. Till then, stay empowered, stay knowledgeable, stay in the fight, and God bless you all.